Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you being influenced? If you watched a blockbuster film in the last decade, then there's a chance it's been influenced by the Chinese Communist Party. Here's the reality. The CCP may be running the largest influence campaign in history. In Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, investigative reporter Tiffany Meyer reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash jesse. The 2024 election is upon us, and now is the time to fight back against the war on masculinity in American society today. Thankfully, the patriots at Chalk, C-H-O-Q, are here to help real American men maximize their masculinity by boosting testosterone levels up to 20% over 90 days. I've been taking a male vitality stack from Chalk for like three years now. It is incredible. They are here to help make American men strong again. Testosterone testosterone fueled again maximize your masculinity today at choq.com use the code jesse for a massive discount on any chalk subscription for life choq.com code jesse limited time offer subscription cancelable at any time Since 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been committed to improving the lives of America's veterans, first responders, and their families. For over 20 years, the foundation has helped America keep its solemn promise to never forget. Tunnel to Towers provides mortgage-free homes to Gold Star families and the families of fallen first responders with young children, builds specifically adapted smart homes for catastrophically injured veterans, and is working to eradicate veteran homelessness. David Marshall served in the Army during World War II and fought in the Battle of the Bulge. He has never forgotten the sacrifices of his comrades nor the efforts of first responders on 9-11 and in the days and months that followed. He is a loyal and proud foundation donor. Tunnel to Towers is committed to supporting veterans, first responders, and their families, and so many of them need your help. Join the foundation on its mission to do good and never forget. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Your holster is way more important than you think it is. It's just way more important than you think it is. Look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? You want to talk about your weapon and your ammunition. You want to talk about your safety training. You want to talk about how you did at the range. Oh, look at my groups. I was doing these failure drills today. And all that stuff's really important. I mean, really, really important. I'm not discounting that. But I've known so many people who do all those things. They take all the necessary steps, and then they carry 
with a holster they bought from a big box hunting store that was made a thousand at a time. Please, don't put your life in one of those holsters. You need to trust Northwest Retention Systems because it's all custom-made gear. It's the only thing I carry around. NWRetention.com. That's NWRetention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Get you 10% off. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. Yes, it is an Ask Dr. Jesse Thursday here on The Jesse Kelly Show. I'm going to do the best I can to turn down the energy just a little bit because I'm excited. I'm excited about the history story. You have me excited with these absurdly good questions you sent in today. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, 877-377-4373, jesse at jessekellyshow.com for you new people. Yes, I realize it's a political show. I open every single day with a history story, no matter what, without fail. I then normally move into politics normally, but the eye can get distracted and often do telling stupid stories and answering questions and doing things like that. That happens in the normal show. However, on Fridays, usually Fridays, it's an Ask Dr. Jesse day where I take the whole show after the history story and I just answer your questions. What kind of questions? Well, here's a brief sample of what we will be going over today about an hour from now. One, mom wants to know whether she should take her son to Hooters or Church's Chicken and what to order. I'm about to blow you away with that one. Two, what does the world look like if Britain joins Germany in World War I? Three, who would win? Spearman or a T-Rex? Like I said, the questions get heavy. And how many years do we have before we are full-blown communists? I'm going to answer all these questions today on the Jesse Kelly Show. But first, let's rewind and tell a little story about ancient Rome. We are going back to Rome before Christ. 50, 60, 70 years before Christ. This is way before Chris's people killed him. We are going back to a time of Julius Caesar, of Crassus, of Pompey, Pompey the Great, Pompey Magnus. Now, we're going to pause before we go over Rome because I have to set up the opponent they're going to be facing today. Alexander the Great needs no introduction. Great conqueror took over everything and then promptly died right away. Died right away. 32, 33 years old. When he died, there were endless battles and squabblings and assassinations over who got his empire. How did it end? Well, a bunch of people got it. His powerful generals all basically split the place up. And one of the most powerful 
was the Seleucids. It's the Seleucid Empire. Very, very cool empire. We'll go over them again at some point in time. The Seleucid Empire, all you need to know is just think Iran. It was bigger than that, but just think that that's, that's what we're talking about. Mesopotamia. On the northern part of Iran, the northern part of the Seleucid Empire, was the Asian Steppe. We have gone over this before. Asian Steppe, if you want to draw a big fat line from east to west across Asia, right through the middle of it, that's considered the Steppe. And historically, forever, that area produces Nasty warriors. Genghis Khan, that's where he came from. Attila the Hun, that's where he came from. It produces horse archers, nomadic horse archers, who when they're organized with a good leader are virtually unbeatable in battle. You don't, you don't believe me? Ask the Seleucids. At one point, a bunch of horse archers came storming into the to the northern part of their empire and just took a big part of it. Horse archers. They then proceeded over the coming years to gobble up virtually the entire Seleucid Empire. This became what we know as Parthia. By the way, just a little preview of what may be coming today. You know, Genghis Khan, Attila the Hun, like I said, they were horse archers, and they were famous. Their armies were famous for their horse archers appearing to retreat, riding away from you as you charge at them, but then turning around and firing absurdly accurate and powerful arrows behind them. That was known as the Parthian shot. Why do you think that is? You're about to find out today. Oh, little little water cooler trivia for you here. You can act smart with all your coworkers. That got turned into the parting shot that we know today. That came from the Parthian shot. That's to take a shot at somebody as you walk away. Anyway, be that as it may, the Parthian Empire rises and they become a powerful empire. They're trading with the Chinese. Things are going well. But as all powerful empires do, they begin to stumble once things got too good. Assassinations, squabbling, they were, they were heading into some hard times. But still, horse archers, powerful, very powerful. Let's pause and go to Rome. Now this part, I'm going to try to get through as fast as possible. It's just that this part gets complicated. Rome, at this point in time, was flexing its muscle east a little bit. This is the period when when Julius Caesar is up in Gaul. This is the period where they're expanding north. They start to look east towards places like Pontus and Parthia and say to themselves, I mean, how much trouble would it be to just go over there and take some of it? Look at all the money and power they have. We are Rome. We are by far the best military power in the world, the greatest country in the world at the moment, why wouldn't we just go take it? And before you look down on Rome for this way of thinking, one, remember, conquering is the history of the world. That's the way people think. Two, 
they weren't wrong about being so much better than everyone else militarily at this point. This had been we're, – we're talking – it had been – a hundred years before Rome had lost, or since Rome had lost a significant battle, they were just used to traipsing those legions out in the field and steamrolling people. Why wouldn't we go a little bit further east? Which brings us to our subject today. It's actually not a story about Julius Caesar, it's not even really a story about Pompey Magnus. It's a story about a man named Crassus, one of, if not the richest men to ever live. In today's dollars, he would have been a billionaire. Now, what was Crassus's history before this point? Before he joins up with Caesar and Pompey, his history was different. Rome at one point had a, had a guy in charge named Sulla who fought a big civil war in Rome Killed a bunch of Romans in order to get back to the Roman Republic the way it should be. Crassus was a very accomplished general during this time. Historically, people look at Crassus and say to themselves, Ah, what an idiot. I can't believe he blew. Crassus was an outstanding general at this time. Now, he was also a little bit of a scumbag. I mean, an extreme scumbag. You see Sala. Sala, once he took power did this thing called prescriptions where he would simply put a list up in the town square of everybody he wanted murdered and then people would go murder them and bring their heads back so Sulla could pay them. Oftentimes, Sulla's prescriptions simply were for rich people whose lands he wanted to seize for himself and his friends. Crassus made himself just a little bit of money during this time. And actually, that's not the worst thing Crassus did for money. We'll go over that, and then we'll go into our battle here before we get to our questions. Hang on. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Like a stain on your brain, you can't get out. Jake's Mint Chew will help you break that habit of dipping. I am not pointing a finger at you. I'm not lecturing. I'm just saying, as someone who dipped for a long time, it is something you need to let go. You can't do that forever. I'm not going to ever judge you for it. But there is a way you can quit that is actually not miserable at all. In fact, you might find yourself enjoying it. It's called Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And it's dip you put in your lip. They even have CBD pouches. And I would really recommend those, especially early, because the CBD pouches really help take that edge off. Go to jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Use the promo code JESSE at checkout. That gets you 20% off. Truth. Attitude. Jesse Kelly. How much time do we have before we're full-blown communists? And 
What do you order at Church's Chicken? I will tackle these two equally important items today on a rare Ask Dr. Jesse Thursday. We're doing it on Thursday this week because I am out tomorrow. BK will be filling in. I have to go do some fancy thing I'm not allowed to talk about yet. I will fill you in on Monday. You have my word. 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Don't forget, if you miss any part of the show, you can download the whole thing on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes. On iTunes, leave a five-star rating. Leave a review talking about how handsome I am. <laughs> All right, back to our story here. Sala, as he's giving these prescriptions, and his prescriptions are lists of people he once murdered and people are dying, Crassus, who is already very wealthy, is the one taking advantage of it. And, oh, yes, I think I will buy this farm. Turns out the owner, he doesn't need it anymore. And that's not the worst thing he did. The worst thing he did was most certainly this. He had his own construction crew. Nothing wrong with that. Good for you. I grew up in construction. He also had his own fire department. There wasn't some government-run fire department. He had his own. He would sometimes wait for a building to be on fire, sometimes have his people set a building on fire that maybe he wanted to acquire. He then would take his fire department and walk up to the owner who's standing in the street watching his house burn and say, I would like to give you some money for that. I mean, of course, it's going to be half what it's worth. And the owner would either A, freak out and say, it's worth way more than that. Screw you. Put it out. And then Crassus would say, no, I don't think I will. And watch it burn all the way to the ground. Or the owner would have to hang his head, accept his half-price offer, and then Crassus would turn loose his fire brigade to put out the fire in the home he just purchased for half-price. He then would have his construction crew come right in and refurbish the house and take care of any fire damage that had happened. So we're not talking about a great person here. Let's just be clear about that. Life gets complicated. Chris, I see the admiration you have right now, and I want you to know you're a bad person. You should see Jewish producer Chris over there trying to feel bad about this guy's way of making money. That's just wrong, Chris. No, Chris, that does not count as being a savvy businessman. That is, no, no. (laughs) Chris says he identified the holes in the market and he's feeling it. There's something wrong with you. Okay. He also, again, this story is always told like Crassus is some rich, bumbling idiot who, who was great at business but had never led armies. I already told you about the army he led during Sulla's Civil War. He also was the one... You know the movie Spartacus, the Spartacus Rebellion, the third slave revolt in Rome, the big one? Don't undersell that. That slave army was a juggernaut, and they were slaughtering entire Roman armies. Spartacus was an outstanding military commander. He was so good, people think that he was probably a powerful general at the nation he was in before he got taken as a slave and made a gladiator. I mean, the dude was really, really good. 
Crassus was the one who built an army and went and put that army down. Crassus did that. Which brings us to the triumvirate. What is the triumvirate? If you study ancient Rome at all for any period of time, you will hear it. There were others that came after it. Just know this was the first one, so it's often called the first triumvirate. Because it was first, Chris. You might have figured that out already. Yeah, look, I like to inform people. That was Julius Caesar, Pompey Magnus, and Crassus. Why did they get together? Well, it's not like they were best buddies at all. In fact, Pompey, Magnus, and Crassus flat out hated each other. But they realized they had acquired many of the same enemies in Rome, very, very powerful enemies, and they were going to get taken out if they didn't do something. And they also realized if us three join together, we all of a sudden are by far the most powerful entity in Rome, and nobody can touch us. So they joined together and make their own government, essentially, well, guide the Roman government doing whatever they want to do for, for 20 years. They just rule Rome together. What's the deal in this? Who gets what? Julius Caesar was fighting an absurdly powerful, popular, profitable war in Gaul. He's taking over France. Remember, the reason it was profitable, like we talked about yesterday, a big reason it was profitable were the slaves. He was just acquiring slaves by the million. He's just piling up slaves. So Caesar's up there getting rich and powerful. Caesar, because of the triumvirate, essentially gets permission to go continue his war in Gaul for another five years, just filling up his bank account. What does Pompey Magnus get? Pompey Magnus gets Spain, gets to control the Roman armies and the Mediterranean. What does Crassus get? Crassus gets to make war Whenever he wants, which is a big deal back then, and Crassus gets the East. The East was already known to be a really, really wealthy, powerful place. And Crassus starts to look East pretty much immediately. And he looks at this place called Parthia. And in Crassus's defense, because everyone has 20-20 hindsight and makes the guy out to be an incompetent boob, Crassus... He thought Parthia looked really weak, and Parthia did look really weak. You have backstabbing and assassinations, and it's a crumbling empire, but it's a crumbling empire sitting on a pot of gold. How could I not go after Parthia, right? What are they going to do? Take on us? So Crassus raises seven legions. Another thing he got permission to do, raising legion on his own. Remember, whenever someone brings up a legion, you just need to think 5,000 men. It wasn't always that, exactly that, but it's generally roughly 5,000 men. That's a legion. He raised seven of them. He also grabs his son, who had been fighting from fighting with Julius Caesar, on, on Julius Caesar's side, not fighting Julius Caesar, been fighting Julius Caesar. His son was a great cavalry commander. Crassus raises his legions and then tells Caesar, I need my son. His son's name was Publius. And he has a role to play in this story as well. Publius rides south to go hang out with Pop and take his cavalry into battle with his father on to glory. So here we have Crassus with pretty much 40,000 men, the exact numbers disputed. About 35,000 heavy, heavy Roman infantry, 
5,000 Roman cavalry. Now, we have to discuss the Roman infantry for a moment. I'm not going to nerd out on the details too much. I don't want you falling asleep behind the wheel before we get to our Ask Dr. Jesse questions. But there is something you do have to know because it matters for our story. Rome conquered the world with heavy infantry. They were the heavy infantry people of all time. They had perfected it. Absolutely perfected it. Shields, spears, armor, sword, and discipline like you can't possibly imagine. I know you're picturing a movie, probably Gladiator at this point in time, but that's real. Roman units, they never fought as individuals, ever. They were always linked with absurd discipline. Shields locked together, shields in front, shields on the side, shields overhead. They could follow commands immediately on the battlefield. It's why Rome routinely was absurdly outnumbered and won virtually every time. Except maybe this time. We will go over that. And then the Ask Dr. Jesse question. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Somebody wants to know how to convince his wife that men ripping on each other is how men relate to each other. I'm going to explain that phenomenon here shortly. But first, before I get to my Ask Dr. Jesse questions, we have to try to finish our story about Crassus and Parthia. Crassus sees Parthia as being weak. They're backstabbing each other's sons are assassinating their fathers to take the throne, then fighting each other. It's a disaster. So that's not good. Crassus builds his legions, seven of them, grabs his son Publius with the cavalry, and heads east. Now Parthia gets word that an invasion is coming, and they begin to make preparations. When this story is told, People often simplify this story 
and say, Crassus walked in there and then then it didn't work. That's not true at all. And one more thing before we continue on. One more thing about the Roman legions, about the heavy infantry. The reason they were so unstoppable, obviously, is their discipline and their armor and their shields. But you should know it was routine for them to square off against people who shot arrows and threw rocks with slings and threw spears. And it was routine for them to withstand all that because all their shields were locked. They even had this formation called the Testudo. You've probably seen it in movies before where... Their shields are locked in the front and overhead, so you can't shoot an arrow up and land on them. They're essentially an impenetrable turtle, and 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 it's very it's 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 unstoppable. It had always been unstoppable. Crassus marches into Parthia, promptly meets with a ragtag Parthian army they threw together. It wasn't really an official one, and he crushes them. He then moves on. There are a bunch of cities there that come right over to Crassus. And so this is going pretty much exactly as planned. There was one city that held out and they actually acted like they were going to be friendly and they let a bunch of Roman troops in and then they promptly sealed the gates and slaughtered them. And then Crassus went down and burned the city to the ground and killed every man, woman, and child. That is generally not a good idea to knife a Roman in the back. And that was the first year of this campaign. It all went perfectly. Crassus retires to winter quarters. The history of the world is a history of weather. You and I don't think about it as much because we all live, work, and worship. I shouldn't say all. We live, work, and worship in climate-controlled environments now. That's just what we do so you don't think about weather. They didn't generally campaign in the winter back then, but it's all going well. But while Crassus is in his winter quarters, Parthia gets their affairs in order. A man takes over, gets everything organized, and he appoints himself a general who turned out to be a very, very capable man, a man by the name of Serenus. Serenus gathers his army, and he has something planned for Crassus. Crassus marches on. The, the year ends. It's time to get going again. Crassus takes his previously unstoppable Roman legions and his Roman cavalry, and they march out, 40,000 of them. Crassus does get some bad information about the route he should take. He asks somebody, hey, which way should I go? You're going to be my guide. The guy guides them in a way that happens to be perfect for the Parthian army. Yes, the guy turned out to be a traitor who was actually working for the Parthians. But even still, not the end of the world. You're still the Roman legions. So they're a little hungry. They're a little thirsty. They got separated off the river for a little while, but they're still Rome. They're doing fine And they find themselves on a plain, on the plains, right next to a city called Karai. Now, Roman legions can fight anywhere, always have, always will. So they weren't exactly concerned about being out on a plain. We still are the same heavy infantry. The shields still work on the plains. What are you going to do about it? And he runs into a Parthian army. Now, remember, there are 40,000 Romans here. 
What kind of army does he run into with the Parthians? About 10,000. About 10,000. And right now, Crassus is a little confused as to why they're squaring off of them. He's a little confused why the Parthians have been so cocky anyways. Remember that first year after he took, the, took all those cities and beat the, the army? Parthians sent an envoy to Crassus. And, of course, the envoy knocks on the door. Hey, Crassus. And Crassus is sitting there thinking, oh, good, you're coming to make peace terms or surrender. And the Parthian envoy says, hey, we'll give you permission to leave with your life if you leave now. And Crassus says, I'm, I'm sorry, what did you say? No, I'll see you in your capital soon. And the Parthian envoy, tell me this didn't take big brass ones, holds out his palm and says, you will see hair growing here before you ever see our capital and rides off. These are not people unfamiliar with war. Crassus and his 40,000 Romans run into a 10,000-man Parthian army. They promptly form a gigantic square. The Roman army forms a gigantic square because what are they looking at? Well, it's a little different. What, what is that? Where's the infantry? They all look like they're on horses. Why are they all on horses? Who fights like that? You can't win like that. What, an, what a bunch of idiots. All right, whatever. Form up into a big square. What are the horses going to do? Jump over it? No, that's not how it works. So they're done. And not, not only that, they're not even that impressive looking. Well, he was missing a couple very, very key points. One, this 10,000-man army, army on horseback, about 9,000 of them were horse archers. Only they weren't the kind of archers Crassus or any Roman had dealt with before. Remember, I talked about that Asian step thing in the very beginning. The bow, the composite bow that was used from Attila the Hun to these guys to Genghis Khan was not like any other bow in the world. You didn't just chop down a little tree and put a string on it and call it a day. It was an extensive process to make one of these using tendons and bone and everything else. These things could shoot. They say that, look, I'll tell you this. I saw two or three different sources as I was reading up on this that said this, and I still don't believe it, but that's what they say. They say the thing could shoot 400 yards. There's no way that's true. I I have a very hard time believing that's true, but it could shoot really, really far. Let's just leave it at that. And the arrow it shot, because the bow was so powerful, the arrow it, it shot was really, really heavy. So laws of physics are this bow can shoot harder and shoot something that's a lot heavier and nastier than anything the Romans had ever seen before. That's really going to come into play here in just a moment. And on top of the 9,000 horse archers, Salinas had something else. He had 1,000 what they called cataphracts. What's a cataphract? It's a man on horseback with a long lance. But also the horse is draped in armor too, and I mean draped in armor. It's a it's an ancient tank. And because Salinas was trying to bait this Roman army into fighting at this point in time, he had all these cataphracts throw blankets over the armor so the Romans couldn't see they were armored until they'd formed up. And at which point Salinas had them throw the blankets off. And now they're looking at armored horses in front of them. But still, 
Not the end of the world. We're Rome. We're in a square. What's this army one-fourth our size even going to do to us? He's about to find out. And then we'll get to our Ask Dr. Jesse questions. Hang on. something there's a podcast get it on demand wherever podcasts are found the jesse kelly show fellas this one's for you i i used to snore pretty bad and i would snore pretty bad because of my allergies and now i don't do that anymore because i haven't eaten pure thunderstorm i don't wake up in the morning and have tears running out of my eyes I don't wake up in the morning and have to sneeze. I don't wake up in the morning and have to blow my nose. I'm clear because I have an Eden Pure Thunderstorm. It's quiet. It's extremely powerful. It takes all the odors out of your room, and it has made my allergies better, which, frankly, has helped my wife sleep as much as it's helped me sleep. Go get one. Just get one for your room. Just try it. You will not regret it. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. That's EdenPureDeals.com. Use the code word JESSE at checkout. That actually gets you 10 bucks off. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. We have alternate histories we have to do. We have animal fights, as always. How long does America have before it turns communist and other things? But first, we have to address something. We have to address what happened with Crassus at the Battle of Karai. 877-377-4373, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. They are formed up in a square and ready. The Parthians charge with their horses, and the Romans are sitting there thinking, okay, feel free. What are you going to do? Slam your horse into our shield wall? You're all going to die. The Parthians do charge, but they peel off when they get close. And they don't run into these Romans in this square. They start shooting arrows at them. Again, not a problem has never been a problem for these heavy infantry Roman legions with their armor and their shields and their discipline. Except these are Asian steppe people. And this is a whole different kind of bow and a whole different kind of arrow. The arrows are going through the shields. The arrows are going through the shields and they're sticking in people's arms. They're sticking people's feet to the ground so they can't move. They're sticking through their legs. In some cases, they're sticking through their eyes and killing them. They're sticking through them forward. 
The Parthians also, as they're just riding by, what they're doing, it's very disciplined and organized. One unit will ride by in front of the formation shooting and then ride away, and then the next unit rides by and rides away. They're also shooting them in the air, so they're coming down on the Roman heads and going through the shields that way. Okay, this is a very big deal. However, Crassus, an experienced general, is not that worried yet because he says to himself and his other commanders, okay, not good, but they're going to run out of arrows as everybody else does. And then what what are they going to do? Ride around and yell at us? Going to be fine. Salinas was prepared for such things. You see, on top of the 10,000 horse archers, well, 9,000 archers, 1,000 cataphracts, on top of his cavalry, Salinas had brought a massive, some say hundreds, some say thousands, we don't know. We just know it was a massive train of camels. What were they carrying? They were all carrying arrows. Endless supplies of arrows. You would ride in front of the Roman army, unload every single arrow you had, and then you simply gallop your horse on back to the camel train where they had a brand new quiver waiting for you, handing it to you to do it again and again and again and again. And the Roman army is now in very, very deep trouble. They're in such deep trouble that Crassus's son Publius, the man in charge of the Roman cavalry, tells his father, not incorrectly, I have got to go charge and try to get them away from us or we're all going to die here. And so to his credit, a very brave move. He hops on his horse and takes his cavalry unit and sallies forth and charges out of that square at the Parthians who promptly turn around and run away. They're running away from Publius. He has just saved the day. Look at him. He's going to ride them down like grass. They're scared of him. Of course they are scared of the Romans as everyone else is. Publius rides away. They think it was about a mile or two, they say, except the Parthians weren't running away because they were scared. They were running away because remember those thousand cataphracts with heavy armor and lances? They were waiting in ambush for Publius. They waited till he got there and then charged him, surrounded him, slaughtered almost all of his men. Publius gets away, gets to a little hilltop. They charge him to finish him off. He goes to kill himself, which was the custom at the time, but he takes an arrow in the hand and can't do it, so he has to tell his servant to kill him, and his servant does. Crassus doesn't know what had happened. It was all a big dust bowl, right? It's not the movies. You can't see. You don't have a cut scene. All you see is a bunch of horses and dust and screaming and yelling. What's the next thing Crassus sees? The next thing Crassus sees is those Parthian cavalry coming right back at him, and they're carrying something. What, is, what are they carrying? They were carrying a long spike with his son's head on top of it, and they rode around the Roman army while Crassus had to watch his son's head at the end of a spike. At the end of the day, when nighttime came, the Romans had lost at least half their force dead. They are now, uh, you want to talk PTSD, they are broken mentally and have to do something, right? You have to do something or we're all going to die when the sun comes up. 
So they came up, they come up with a plan. Crassus comes up with a plan. Cold-hearted, yeah, but it is what it is. Any man who can't walk, leave him on the ground. The rest of us are going to pull back in a disciplined way back to the city of Karai and to the mountains, split up, run where you can, and hide. How's that turn out for Crassus? You will find out in a second, and then it's Ask Dr. Jesse time. Hang on. One forty five over ninety two. One eighty over one eleven. One hundred and eighty two over a hundred. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest and then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life, but I'm going to make it better. I'm coming back. Ask your doctor. Check your blood pressure. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. It is the now world-famous Jesse Kelly Show doing a very rare Ask Dr. Jesse on Thursday. I'm so excited to get to these. It took all I could do not to rush the history story today so I could get to these questions. When do we stop retreating, somebody wants to know. Somebody wants to know what to order at church's chicken and hooters. People want to know how long do we have before we go communist. I'm going to answer all these questions today. I'm not even doing guests today. You get nothing but me. So I would just like to say from the bottom of my heart, congratulations. What, Chris? 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. We will wrap up the story of Crassus here, and then it's on. Jesse Kelly Show.
This is The Jesse Kelly Show. It is The Jesse Kelly Show on an Ask Dr. Jesse Thursday this week. We have some great questions. 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. No guests today. Just all me. But first, Roman army leaves behind their wounded. They retreat to the town. They retreat to the hills. In case you're wondering, they left about 4,000 men behind who couldn't move because they were so wounded. The Parthians promptly went up and slaughtered every single one of them. They last two or three days on the run. They still are about a 7,000-man army at this time. Obviously, they're, they're a bit not doing great, but they still have Crassus alive. And if they make it out of here alive with Crassus, remember, we're still talking about maybe the richest man who ever lived. They're probably going to be more than fine. They're going to go retreat to an ally. They're going to spend another year or two. Time worked different back then, raising a whole bunch more legions. Probably have them with a bit thicker shield next time. And probably going to come back and win. The Parthian general, Salinas, tries to extend a hand at this point in time to Crassus. Sends somebody out and says, hey, let's parlay. Let's get together. Crassus does not want to do this at all. Why? Because of what I just said. Well, why would I parlay? I've lost this day. I'll be back in a year to win. Screw him. I'm out of here. His commanders, though, encourage him, practically force him to do it. No, no, no. You need to. We're, we're hurting. I don't know if we're going to make it out of this. The Parthians are still looking for them. Go, go, go. Crassus does go. Crassus never comes back. How did that story end? Well, the story ended that they were putting on plays back in Parthia using Crassus's real head as a prop in the plays. That's how that story ended. As, in case you're wondering, the underrated general Salinas, things didn't work out well for him either. You see, he wasn't the king. He was the general the king appointed And this was a dirt ball of a king who didn't want a very powerful, now very, very popular, very capable general in his kingdom. So when he got back home, he promptly had him killed. Politics is a dirty business. Power games are a dirty business. Men have killed each other for money and power since the dawn of time. They always have They always will. Don't make the mistake of thinking you live in some more refined era than the ones that came before you. Now, allow us to dig in to the Ask Dr. Jesse questions today, and they are so stinking good. (laughs) Let us begin. 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Don't forget this. I read all of your emails, whether they're Ask Dr. Jesse or not. They all go right to Jewish producer Chris. 
He prints them off. I read every one of them. Your love, your hate, your death threats, your Ask Dr. Jesse questions. I will not respond. I get way too many of them. But you send them, I read them. Dear Dr. Jesse, I'm going to fly across the country to visit my son in Bakersfield, California. He's a tall, thin Navy veteran with a very deep voice. Should we eat at Hooters or Church's Chicken? Neither of us have been to these restaurants. As far as I know, he doesn't have a girlfriend. Tell me what to order. And this is a lady. I'm not going to give her name because she didn't say I could give her name, but it's a lady. So it's a mom going to see her son. All right. I have the ultimate solution for you. You ready for this, lady? One, Hooters does not have good food. It does not have good food. Like I say about restaurants, restaurants are selling you one of three things generally at all times. They're selling you great food or they're selling you a great location or they're selling you dimes in the waitstaff. They generally will not combine two of those things. I know there are exceptions to that rule, but like all things, you're only as good as you have to be. That's why that beachside restaurant, that food sucks all the time. You know it sucks. Quit, don't lie. No, no, I had a, it sucks. You know it sucks. It does. That restaurant that, oh, it's, it's at the top of a skyscraper and it turns around as you eat. Oh, no, my steak is bad. Yeah. They don't have to sell good steak. They don't have to spend extra money on fresh produce and good steak because you're going to go anyway because the view's nice. You find some restaurant way off the beaten path and walk in and it's some haggard 85-year-old serving you food. The food's going to be phenomenal every single time because that's what they're selling you. These restaurants that have popped up, and I'm not passing any judgment at all, but that, that specialize, and it's not just Hooters now. There's Twin Peaks, and there's all these. They specialize in, in you know, half-dressed dimes. How good is the food, really? How good? Well, it's not that good. Why? It doesn't have to be. Dudes are going to flock in there anyway to drink beer and look at women. That's what dudes do. However, I applaud you, Mom, for maybe trying to wrangle something up for your single Navy veteran son. So let's tackle the issue at hand. You know the food sucks at Hooters. Don't worry. We're going to get there eventually. What you're going to do is this. You're going to make sure. I know California has some weird gun laws, some really bad ones. But make sure you're legally armed and head down to Church's Chicken. You should be armed at all times anyway, but you definitely need to be armed when you're going into church's chicken. In general, I would recommend you order your food to go. That lessens the, ch- that lessens the chance of being violently mugged while you eat. But you go down to church's chicken. You get their spicy chicken. Spicy chicken. Sometimes they're out, but you get their spicy chicken. Make sure you get their biscuits and make sure... You get their jalapeno cheese bombers. The jalapeno cheese bombers at Church's Chicken are the most underrated item on any menu in the United States of America today. They're that good. Get some ranch to dip them in. Well, they're essentially, Chris, a jalapeno cheese popper, only they it's such a simple step. Instead of it being one big jalapeno in there, like one big side of it, they have them all diced up throughout it. 
and it, it, add, it just adds to the flavor. They're so good, and they're made right every time. And I'll tell you this, Mom, over-order the jalapeno cheese bombers. You, well, however many you order, it's not going to be enough. So over-order the cheese bombers. You go to Church's Chicken first. You guys get nice and full on delicious Church's Chicken and biscuits and the jalapeno cheese bombers. Then... Because you're a good mom, you guys put your heads together. I don't know what kind of relationship you have. I'm assuming it's pretty good. You go to Hooters. Your son is a single man. He has one job and one job only in Hooters. You sit down with your mom, and he has to make it absurdly obvious that he treats you like gold whenever the waitress is around. Mom, what do you need? Mom, you can have anything you want. Mom, I love you so much. Oh, sorry, waitress. I didn't know you were there right now. She will be swooning in about 15 to 20 minutes. Then the game plan is this. You guys have to game plan this together. He's going to excuse himself to make a phone call. Don't excuse himself to use the restroom. She doesn't want to think about him going pee-pee. He excuses himself to make a phone call while the waitress is there. You make a little light conversation with the waitress. What are you going to say? I'm going to tell you what to say next, and then we'll get to the rest of our Ask Dr. Jesse questions. to the Jesse Kelly show. What if I told you that you could put something in your home that was small, quiet, but that something would destroy deadly viruses and bacteria and protect your family? What if that same something could eliminate odors, not cover them up, not cover them up, eliminate them, take them right out of the air. And that same something would get rid of those itchy eyes, that runny nose, the sneezing. That exists. It's called an Eden Pure Thunderstorm. It uses sonic technology to produce super oxygen that purifies your air the same way nature does after a thunderstorm. I don't own one of these. I own three of these. I'm probably going to get a fourth. This is one of the best products I've ever bought in my life. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. That's EdenPureDeals.com. Use the code word JESSE at checkout for 10 bucks off. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Remember, if you missed our history story or miss any part of the show today or any day, once the show is done, Chris puts a podcast version of it up on iHeart and Google and Spotify and iTunes. Leave a five-star rating on iTunes. Leave a review talking about how handsome I am. What, Chris? 
It's important for the show. Back to our story. The question was, should you eat at Hooters or Church's Chicken when this mom goes to visit her single Navy veteran son? I've already explained you eat at Church's first. Make sure you protect yourself at all times. Then you go to Hooters. Make sure your son is treating you like gold, really pouring it on whenever the waitress is there. He needs to excuse himself to make a phone call, at which point you say, oh, you're such a sweet young lady. I've, he, I've been telling him to look for somebody just like you. And she'll say, oh, I didn't know he was single. This is the feeling out process to see if he is. Then, because we don't want to make it awkward, then the move is this. When she comes to hand out the check, you, the mom, are going to want to pay. You cannot pay. You absolutely cannot, even if you want to give him the money afterwards, he has to not only pay, he has to not let you pay in front of her. He then has to tip her well, and you need to excuse yourself so he can close the deal and ask for the phone number. Full proof, Chris. What? What? You know what? You laugh now, Chris? I bet you money we're going to get an email about a week or two. This dude's now dating some dime Hooters waitress. You watch. I didn't say marry her. I don't know what she looks like, but you never know. You never know. Oh, wise history oracle. You know what? We'll get to that one in just a second. I have to get to a couple of these emails. Stainless steel, tall, tan, handsome oracle. I know you don't like D.C., but for someone who will have to make periodic trips out there for work, any bar slash restaurant recommendations, like any food and drink question, I'm sure you have strong opinions here. Thank you for your commitment for to emails and putting out quality show every single day. Okay, first of all, I'm sure you already know this because you sound like a man who's been there, but maybe you haven't. Prepare yourself for weapons-grade disappointment when it comes to Washington, D.C., Their food scene is embarrassingly bad. Chris raises his hands right now and asks why. This is one of the very few things I actually don't know the answer to. You have a city that is absurdly rich, so you know you're going to get some quality in there as far as chefs and restaurants, right? It's absurdly rich. It's absurdly diverse. And I'm not doing that, oh, diversity matters thing, because it actually doesn't. But when it comes to food, it very much does. You want a bunch of different cultures in your town because it creates great food mixes and great flavors and things like that. And there's everybody there. There's blacks, there's Mexicans, there's a a, a humongous Asian population, there's Indians everywhere, there's Ethiopians. That that should make for such a great combination of foods, the money and the diversity and everything else. And it sucks. I lived there for a year. There's just, I mean, there's obviously a couple little honey holes, but for the most part, the food sucks. Uh, I will say the fast food joint, we have them here in Texas now. The fast food joint Shake Shack makes a phenomenal burger. You'll find some places like that. There's a hotel there called the the Hay Adams. There's a hotel there called the Hay Adams. Uh, They serve a drink. A bunch of places in D.C. serve it now called a Dark and Stormy. Go to the Hay Adams. Sit down in their circular bar. Order a dark and stormy for yourself. It's very good. I'm not saying it's the best thing in the world. It's very good. But while you're in the Hay Adams drinking a dark and stormy, get on your phone, 
Look up the history of that very same circular bar you're sitting in, drinking a dark and stormy. I'm going to leave it at that. You go from there. It's really, really cool. One, in fact, the only cool thing about Washington, D.C. is the history of it. I actually do recommend people visit it. The museums and memorials and stuff like that. It, it is the cool thing about it. As much as I despise living there for the year I lived there, that is one thing I never got over. I never got over taking one of those bridges into town and you're looking up at the Washington Monument, the Capitol buildings. It's just there's something cool about that. Something cool about that. Dearest Shogunus Maximus and Keeper of the Sombrero, Chris, listening to your story about selling your truck for a Honda Civic to better navigate the streets of D.C. had the fellas cracking up at the firehouse in Northeast where I drive the front of a 55-foot hook and ladder truck with another guy who drives the back end through many of the horribly kept streets and tight alleys of the district. We can definitely relate to your struggle. I cannot believe you guys drive a fire truck through those through those streets. I'm not sure I could drive a bicycle through those sorry streets. Anyway, started listening to you last year on the recommendation of another fireman and really appreciate your lessons in history, especially in this day and age where cancel culture is doing its best to doom us to repeat it. The next time you find yourself in our nation's capital, please come by the firehouse for dinner and allow us to show you just how wrong you are about smoked brisket. We have it down to a science here. Also, your rugged handsomeness is the only reason for giving you a pass on smoking a brisket for five hours and thinking it was done. Sheesh, no wonder you weren't impressed. Jewish producer Chris was completely justified in shutting your mic off at that point, lest you continue to blaspheme. You're number one fan in D.C., and he says I can use his name. His name is Matt. <laughs> I've got so much heat for that brisket one. And you know what, Matt? Chris and I have already talked about this. Inevitably, we're going to have to go to D.C. for something, or at least I am. I'll try not to take Chris with me. But inevitably, we're going to have to go to D.C. for something. I will absolutely be in your firehouse for some food, 100%. Fireman, Chris, have you ever eaten with firemen? Firemen know how to eat, son. But it's one of those things people don't talk about because of the hours they work. They work, and they're, they're all different, but they work weird hours. They'll be, you know, on to, off to, to like two days, things like that. So you're essentially living at the firehouse and they live as one big group of dudes and women now. And women. I'm, I'm being, look, I'm, I think about it as dudes. All right. And what it's one big group of dudes and they get together and they just figure out how to cook and cook really, really well. All they do is eat, sleep, work out like beasts and go put out fires. It's awesome. <laughs> all right. How many years do you think the United States have before we become a communist country? We have so much happening to destroy the country. Wonder if there is any other period in United States history that anyone could enter the country like they do now. Is this a new event, the open border? Also, when we have to flee the country, will another country take us in? I think not. It will be root, little pig, root. P.S. I am old and disappointed. I will probably die in place or they will kill me because I won't be slave material. And then she finishes with her name, which I won't read. Okay, let's just address this how long we become before we're a communist country thing. Remember something. I'm going to put a rare sunny face on this thing. Remember something. And this is not a small thing. We do have arms. Lots of arms. No, I don't want you to hurt anybody, but... 
they can't really do all the things communists love to do while we have those arms. It's not humanly possible. Now, let's set the arms aside thing. Let's set the arms aside. Let's set that aside for a moment. How long do we have? 50 years? I would guess 50 years. But the reason I sound hesitant is this. Well, I'll explain in just a second. You know that Jake's Mint Chew was made in the USA? I mean, I talk about how great Jake's Mint Chew is for quitting dipping. How great it is for quitting smoking. The CBD pouches are really helping my listeners who smoke. And I love that stuff, and that stuff's important. But how many times have we talked about being more purposeful with where we spend our dollars and where we don't spend our dollars? Jake's Mint Chew. Jake's Mint Chew cares enough not just to produce a product that is tobacco-free and nicotine-free and sugar-free, a product that is helping people quit dipping tobacco, that is helping people quit smoking. They care enough to make it here. That's what I mean by being more purposeful. Go get some today for yourself or that dipper or smoker in your life. Go to jakesmintchew.com. Use the promo code JESSE. I get you 20% off. The world-famous Jesse Kelly Show with me, Jesse the Shogun Kelly. And we're answering all of your questions today, and they are good ones. How long do we have before we become communists was the question. I said 50 years. The only reason I sound unsure of it is this. These things don't always happen slowly. They happen whenever there's a huge societal shift. Oftentimes it's slowly and slowly and slowly. And then all at once, it's not as if it's not as if the next 20 years are going to look anything like the last 20 years. That's just not how it works. It doesn't work that way at all. Oh, wise history Oracle. If Britain sides with Germany in world war one, one, what does the war look like? Well, one, the war is over very, very soon. There's no way France would have been able to stand up against Britain and Germany. Remember this. Germany was so absurdly powerful and awesome in World War I, they came very close on several occasions to flat-out winning the war against everyone. Britain, France, Russia, and Germany. Germany didn't even have any help. They had Austria-Hungary, who was 100% useless the entire time. Germany famously said they were fettered to a corpse because they were constantly having to go bail out Austria-Hungary. Austria-Hungary got kicked around by the Serbs. So, one, Germany wins and wins probably easily. As I've said before, you can make the argument 
it would have been better for everyone. Because then it wouldn't have lasted long. Give Germany a quick victory and then you avoid millions of death and you avoid Adolf Hitler. You avoid the Holocaust. You don't, you don't, World War II never happens if Germany wins World War I. Two, what does Europe look like after the war? Well, see, that's the issue. I don't know if there is a France anymore if Germany wins that war. Depending on how fast they win it, that's part of the problem with, with wars. It, it's, look, it's like you when you have a fight with your, with your husband or your wife or your girlfriend. The bigger the fight, whoever was wrong, the bigger the helping hand has to be, the extended hand has to be after. You know, if it's one little tiff, it's no big deal. If it's some massive blowout, Honey, sorry, we can't afford to uh, pay the rent this month. I went out and bought a new motorcycle. If it's that kind of thing, buddy, it's going to have to be the apology of apologies. It works the same way in war historically. Part of the reason everybody took a pound of flesh out of Germany after World War I was the war was so costly to everybody. There's so much residual anger there and, and, and financial loss and pain that you want to take it out on someone and you take it out on the loser. France may no longer be in existence after the war. Three, the last question was, what does the world look like in 2021? The world is, in my opinion, probably a much better place because I don't think America becomes an interventionist country. Remember, people forget this. Before World War I, America was absurdly non-interventionist. That's what we were founded on. Go read uh, George Washington's farewell address when he even warns in there, well, look, we don't get involved in Europe's wars. We trade with everyone. We don't have large standing armies in this country. We don't get involved in your wars. We're always going to have a strong navy. That was something we always wanted because of our oceans, but we just we don't do this war all the time thing. And it, it was almost impossible for Woodrow Wilson to drag us into that war, even though he wanted to. Americans were just simply dead set against it. And Americans were dead set against World War II. We didn't want to go. We, no, we're out. We're, we were, I mean, I don't know that we would have ever gone until the idiot Japanese bombed us in Pearl Harbor. And then Germany, twice as dumb, declares war when they didn't have to. And no, by the way, they didn't have to. People can say, well, they were an ally of Japan. They were, but we would not have messed with Germany. We would have focused all our efforts on Japan. We didn't like Hitler, but we weren't. There was no support in the American public for going to war with them. But then Hitler just up and declares war on us, and it's well, I, I guess it's on then. That wasn't smart. I, I think the world's a much different, a much better place. To be honest with you, that whole, that whole mess of World War One. People disagree with me all the time, and that's fine. It's just purely an opinion. I mean, most of what I say is fact, Chris. But this is purely an opinion. I say World War I was more consequential than World War II when it comes to how much it reset the globe. And part of that is there is no World War II without World War I. Dear Dr. Megamind Jesse, what, Chris? Who would win in a fight? A dozen medieval pikemen with the best armor, training, and equipment of their day or a fully grown T-Rex? Both sides know that it is a... It is to the death and will not run away. 
The pikemen have been training together, so they have superb teamwork and communication. Nobody is going to get sick or have any problems related to different atmospheric conditions. This is from WM. All right. I think the T-Rex still wins. I think the T-Rex still wins. You're shaking your head, Chris, but here's the thing. If you're uh, the T-Rex is an animal, right? He's an animal. You pikemen or not, organized or not, you must, absolutely must penetrate either the T-Rex's brain or his heart with one of those pikes. How in the world are only a dozen of you? You're never getting to the heart without getting bitten. And look, you can say best armor. It's not as if, look, don't shake your head, Chris. I know T-Rex. I've got extensive experience fighting T-Rexes. And I'm telling you, what armor, what difference does the armor make? He's just going to crush you inside of it anyway. In fact, his teeth are going to go right through. What? Chris, you're so absurd. I've I've seen Jurassic Park a dozen times. I know how this goes. The T-Rex is going to just simply bite them one at a time, and it's over. It's over. And the pikemen, organized or not, are going to be stabbing at the T-Rex. Oh, no, I got his knee. But they're going to be scared because it's a T-Rex, and you're not going to actually do anything but make it angry. There's a chance, I guess you could. And remember, this is a T-Rex. I'm assuming they fought. What am I saying? I'm assuming. Of course, I know this to be a fact. They fought other T-Rexes all the time. So they've got some skin that's made to handle some punishment here. No way. There's no way you're getting into the heart of that T-Rex without him killing all of them. And how sweet would that be? Now I want to see it. Now I want to see it, Chris. Dear Shogun. I love this one. I need your blue collar expertise. Been working, uh, been a, been a working man. My day to day task, being a working man, it's easy for me to say. My day to day tasks can often be repetitive and uneventful. My wife asked me yesterday how I can enjoy the job. How I can enjoy the job? I told her I don't mind the work, and I actually enjoy it because my coworkers and I make fun of each other. In fact, the harder the work gets, the more insults come, almost like a coping mechanism. She was incredulous and thought making fun of your coworkers is unprofessional. I told her it's hilarious and it's how men talk to each other. She still doesn't understand, so I made her watch Gran Torino where Clint Eastwood teaches the boys how to talk to men. She still cannot see the light. So I'm asking the most able man I know to do what Clint Eastwood himself cannot. Please explain why men like to make fun of each other. If you read my question... I'll have the old lady listen. Keep up the good work, Jay Eastwood Kelly. And he says I can read his name. His name is A. Steer from Minnesota. You want to know? You want to know the reason? You want to know why men rip on each other when they like each other? I'll explain in a second. out catch up jessekellyshow.com hi we're the goo goo dolls we're fortunate that we can give our daughters everything they need to grow and learn 
But not every child can focus on classes and play dates. Nearly 13 million kids in the U.S. face hunger. That's one in six. School lunch might be their only meal each day, and it's heartbreaking to imagine any child going to bed hungry. We're dreaming of a perfect day when kids can smile, play, and just be kids without worrying about where their next meal will come from. Feeding America is working to make that perfect day a reality. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste. That food is given to families and children in need. Being a kid should be about doing things that make an ordinary day extraordinary. Learning to play an instrument, building a sandcastle, hosting tea parties. Hunger should never be an obstacle to growing up. You can help end childhood hunger in your community by visiting feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Jesse, this is Adrian from Raleigh. I know I'm putting my life on the line here, but I want to set everybody's mind at ease when it comes to the myth or the reality of Jewish producer Chris. On your podcast from April 19th, at the hour of one hour, 43 minutes, and in between 52 and 53 seconds, for about a tenth of a second, you actually hear Jewish producers Chris's voice. He is real. He is not Bigfoot. And I know I'm putting my life on the line for this one. I could be taken out. But for the masses, I'm doing this for the people. Everybody, Jewish producer Chris is real, y'all. He's real. I heard it. <laughs> It is the Jesse Kelly Show, 877-377-4373, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Yes, you can leave us voicemails. We will play them on the air. Allow me to caution you, though. If you leave us a voicemail, there's a good chance I am going to play it and the United States of America is going to hear your voice. That doesn't – look, I'm not – Saying that so, like, you don't cuss. I mean, I, we prefer you don't cuss. I can't play that on the air. We have to go through and edit it and beep them out. You can say whatever you want, but just don't leave me a voicemail and then be shocked and horrified when the whole country hears your voice. <laughs> All right. The question was, why do men love to give each other grief and dog on each other? Why do they do that when they're friends? This is why. Men are born for certain things. Women are born for certain things. And no, we're not born for the same thing. Men and women are different. Women are great at some things, terrible at some things. Men are the same. Great at some things, terrible at some things. The reason men are physically stronger than women, bigger shoulders, bigger hips, more muscle mass, more lung capacity, more everything, the reason men are more physically capable than women is because God made men to be the protectors of society. That is, I don't care who, I don't care if you're some IT nerd with the thickest glasses in the world and uh, you play with G.I. Joe's still at night. It doesn't matter to me. I don't care. As a man, that is 
something you're born into. It's part of you. It is part of you. Universally. There is no exception to this. And because it is universal, men like to test the strength of their fellow men. That's part of it. That is why you'll see that uh, giving another guy guff is even more prevalent in firehouses like we talked about. The military, really prevalent in the military. You can't believe what we said to each other in the Marine Corps. Police do this all the time. Construction workers, I work construction all the time, do this to each other. More physical jobs, you'll see this even more. It is a way of testing each other, probing for weakness and weeding out weakness. I say absolutely horrible things to my friends and people. I like terrible things. I do this, one, because it's funny. We all laugh about it. Two, I want to know if you can handle it or if you can't. It's a way of pruning my friend tree off. If you can't, doesn't mean you're a bad person. It means we're not going to be friends. If I can't give you crap, we're not going to be friends. It is how men deal with each other. That may sound primitive, but human nature does not change. Men like to give their friends crap because it's hilarious and because they're probing for weakness and making sure there is none. And because it horrifies women. <laughs> it does. It does. There's a hilarious online, I think it's a I think it's a meme. I don't know what it is. It's a hilarious online meme. That shows, it says, uh, the title of it on the top is The Difference Between Men and Women. And some dude is saying goodbye to his friends. And they're they're saying to him, oh, see you, jerk. Hey, loser. See you. You're such an idiot. And then the second the friend walks away, they turn to each other like, man, he's such a great dude. I love that guy. And then it goes down to the women. And the women are saying goodbye to their friends. I love you so much. Oh, don't go. When can we get together again? You're the best. And then the second she walks away, they start bad talking to her. Can you believe how much makeup she's wearing? Look at that dress. It's funny because it's 100% true and everybody knows it. Like, like I told people, I'm a bit more quiet when I'm not on the air. I'm just not, not, in, not somebody who likes to talk a lot. Not shy by any stretch of the imagination, as you can imagine. But if you see me at, at a, an event or a party, I'm rarely the guy out there doing all the talking. I'd rather listen and watch. I want to observe. I find human nature fascinating. That's just that's how I do it. That's how I've always done it. But if I'm not giving you guff as a dude, it's because I either A, don't know you, or B, don't like you. If I know you and I'm not giving you guff, I don't like you. So there, the ultimate test for you. Dr. J, Dr. Steele, Jesse Steele. Two Steels in there, Chris. Washington didn't retreat forever. Eventually he stood and fought and took back the ground he lost. How is this defensive seeding ground strategy not doomed to failure when we run out of ground to, see, to, uh, ground to seed? I have an answer for this question coming up next. Hey, Dad, your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad, your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. 
Hey, honey, why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can, making sure they're safe and comfortable. But it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance, care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. You're there for them. We're here for you. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. That's aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Kelly Show, 877-377-4373, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. We have another hour left with no guests and your questions, and they are good ones. We have a strategy for if China invades, somebody is defending his home state of Mississippi. We have a question about Fritos. It's going to get very, very heavy, as you can see in this last hour. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Remember, if you missed our history story at the beginning, a great ancient Roman story about Crassus and the Parthians, you can find it on iHeart, Google, and Spotify, and iTunes right after the show. On iTunes, leave a five-star rating, leave a review talking about how handsome I am. Hang on. Jesse Kelly Show. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. That 21-year-old pimp, that 21-year-old pimp, that 21-year-old trafficker who is not yet a convicted felon, Roll on in to any place you want and buy a gun under this provision and walk around in whatever way you want. No training, no understanding, Wild West pimp style. That's what this bill does. And then that pimp can roll into whatever small businesses in your community with their stable of girls and they can flaunt it. Wild West pimp style. <laughs> what in the world? That was a Texas Democrat arguing against a gun bill. Wild West pimp style? What? With their stable of girls? I'm so confused, Chris. I'm, Chris, 
Do not throw away that audio. You're going to have to hang on to that one. You know what? All I think I need from now on is Wild West pimp style, but that's 100% staying with the show. <laughs> it is the Jesse Kelly Show, 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. The email is this, Dr. Steele, Jesse Steele. Washington didn't retreat forever. Eventually, he stood and fought and took back the ground he lost. How is this defensive seeding ground strategy not doomed to failure when we run out of ground to seed? They believe communism can only work if literally everyone on the planet lives under it. They're never going to stop advancing, divorce or not. When do we stop retreating? As an aside, I've lived in San Diego my entire life. I have no intention of surrendering my home to communist interlopers. One, that's why you wrote me that email, because you live in what, honestly, it might be the best city in the country. I, I, if you've never been to San Diego, I mean, obviously they've ruined it like they ruined everywhere else, and California is dreadful, but San Diego is so awesome. It, the, the weather's perfect. It's just, it's an awesome place, and you don't want to give it up, and I get that 100%. But to answer your question, when do we stop seeding ground? You're not seeding ground. You're choosing your own battlefield. I didn't say balkanize, move to a red state, and go watch television. I said balkanize, move to a red state, a red area, and get active to make it redder. We are not giving up ground because we're done with all of it. We're giving up ground because we need some sort of fortified position. Right now, we don't have that. Right now, we've lost everything, and there's no indication, zero, that we're about to start making gains and taking those things back. None. You love San Diego. Man, you should love San Diego. San Diego's sweet, but... San Diego's gone, man. San Francisco San Francisco is another city that 30 years ago, maybe, 20 years ago, maybe, one of the coolest cities in the United States of America. Not flat at all. It's got these hills all through it. Kind of makes it unique. You have to watch driving in, in San Francisco some places. Cool restaurants right on the water, Golden Gate Bridge. They have poop running down the sidewalks now. I'm not making that up. There are actually apps you can get on your phone so you can walk and avoid the poop on, in heroin needles. That place is gone. It's just not there anymore. So what we need is we need you. You are the reinforcements. We need you to come to a place that isn't gone so we can fortify it and make sure the commies can't take it. That's what we need. You're not retreating. You're going to give people who are your allies reinforcements, and they need them. You're not doing me any good stuck in San Diego. Now, I'm not talking about you personally, man. Maybe you can't move, stay there. It doesn't matter. But you're not doing me any good hypothetically staying in San Diego. You're doing me good moving to where I live in the suburbs of Texas and making dang sure it's not only red but stays red so the commies don't move here and flip it. That said, you're not wrong. They're never going to just look at us and say, we'll let them go. We're just going to have to let them know they can't take us. Dear 
Dr. J. Steele Kelly. It's 2 a. Quit shaking your head, Chris. This is my name, all right? That's my name from now on. It's the Jay Steele Show. <laughs> it's 2 a.m. tomorrow, and your phone is erupted with information telling you China has attacked the United States. You can't get any dependable reception, but it appears they've attacked every major port and many power plants all at once. You realize it is on. What do you do? How do you think society will react? Well, the ports we would be able to withstand probably better than we could the power plants. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where your area lost power. And I don't mean you had a, your power went out for a half hour and you had to go get a flashlight and read books with your kids. I mean an extended period of time where large portions of your area lost power. I have been in that situation before. The results were not inspiring. What that does when power's gone. You can't fill up your car with gas. The gas pumps run on electricity. So don't think you're going to run down to the gas station and leave the area. If they ever got the power stations, we would be in very, very, very serious trouble. What my first thing, my first priority would be, I would throw my family in my pickup, which Lord willing is filled up with gas and I would head into the mountains. I would head out to the Rocky Mountains because I'm very comfortable in the mountains. It's very hard to find people in the mountains. And I would get them stashed somewhere in the Rocky Mountains where I thought they were safe and protected. Then I would leave them and go kill some communists. There's just no other. There's nothing else to do. Uh, you, you would have to try to find, uh, assuming there are some military units still around, Maybe a National Guard base so you can uh, beef up your ammo supply and hopefully get some trained people along with you. But there's nothing else to do at that point in time. I'm not going to live under communist Chinese rule. So you're going to have to weapon up and go put some people in the ground. Bro, why are you agreeing with the commies and dogging on Mississippi? This place will compete with any other place for outdoor beauty and sportsman paradise. The women are hot. The college baseball is the best in the country. I'll fight you. I may not be able to reach you, but I'll grab a stick. Just kidding. But seriously, it is a great red state. I actually forget what I said about Mississippi, Chris. I forget what I said now. Did I rip on Mississippi really hard or something? I did. Oh, no. (laughs) Well, it is a red state. Uh, I will tell you this. The women are absurdly hot. Southern women. Southern women just in general. It's that accent, man. You say that accent, and you just, we're dudes. We we cannot withstand that. We're not not strong enough to withstand that, Chris. (laughs) Dear Jay Steele Kelly. Now this one, man, I didn't want it to get heavy today. I I thought I was going to keep today light, but. I'm going to answer this. I just didn't want it to get this heavy. So let's let's get this over with. Dear J. Steele Kelly, where do Fritos fall on the snack chip hierarchy? They aren't a potato chip and they aren't a tortilla chip. They aren't really big enough for salsa or dip, but they're thicker than your normal chip. They have a great crunch, but leave you with horrible halitosis. At my house, they are always leftover uneaten chip bags in the cupboard. Should Fritos get more respect? 
Funny aside, when I was a kid, the advertising campaign had a Mexican character named Frito Bandito who stole your chips. Also note that the chili cheese Fritos are outstanding. He says I can read his name on the air. His name is Kurt from California. One Frito Bandito sounds sweet. Chris, do me a favor during the break. See if you can find that ad. We want to make sure we're giving them credit and playing that on the air. The Frito Bandito, that's sweet. Two, we're going to address the Frito situation. Hang on. stocky follow like and subscribe on social at jesse kelly dc i hated trying to quit dipping it's hard and here's the thing about it people who have never done it i'm not encouraging you to start but people who've never done it who've never dipped for a long time or smoked for a long time they simply can't understand how difficult it is to stop It's not only addictive, it becomes part of your routine. It's simply something you enjoy. It's it's a part of your day. I used to dip after meals. After meals, I had to go have a dip in. So I needed something to transition me off of it. I needed a dip of some kind. Jake's Mint Chew is a dip, only it's a dip without tobacco. It's a dip without nicotine. It's even a dip without sugar. I can put it in my lip completely guilt-free. Go to jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Use the promo code JESSE, J-E-S-S-E, for 20% off. Jesse Kelly. Back soon. I am the Frito Bandito. I like Fritos corn chips. I love them, I do. I want Fritos corn chips. I'll get them from you. Ay, 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 ay. Oh, I am the Frito Bandito. (laughs) I can't believe that ad is real. Oh, that's so great. What happened to an era when we could play ads like that on the air? Chris, you know what? I'm not cheating that ad at all. Start that over again, and we're playing that here on the air. Can you start that ad over again? I want the whole thing. Gosh, that's so good. I am the Frito Bandito. I like Fritos corn chips. I love them, I do. I want Fritos corn chips. I'll get them from you. Ay, 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 ay. Oh, I am the Frito Bandito. Give me Fritos corn chips and I'll be your friend. The Frito Bandito, you must not offend. Now, boys and girls, you are Frito Bandito's too. You sing the Frito Bandito song. <laughs> I am dying. I'm absolutely dying. Well done, Jewish producer Chris tracked it down. Oh, my gosh, I have tears coming down my face. One, I am absolutely going to be singing, I, 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 I'm the Frito Bandito all the rest of today, and you are too, and you're lying if you said you're not. Two, not only is that ad going to be played again today on the show, the chances that just became a permanent part of the Jesse Kelly show 
hover right around 100%. I will tell you that much. That is so good. (laughs) All right, two. Get focused, Chris. Dang it. All right, two. Fritos almost boggle the mind. Especially, I'm talking specifically about chili cheese Fritos. Chili cheese Fritos are probably the greatest chip on the planet. The flavor is perfect. The crunch is perfect. They're almost perfect. They are, however, missing one critical thing, and it it blows me away how nobody at Frito has ever addressed this. The size. They're too small to dip. They're too small to dip. The size is not a problem when you're just eating the chili cheese Fritos because everyone grabs two or three or ten and throws them all in their mouths. Yes, size matters. It does matter. I can't dip the chili cheese Frito in queso without getting queso all over my fingers. And then I have to choose whether to be an uncultured swine and lick my fingers or wipe them off every time. It doesn't work. Why can't they make a chili cheese Frito the size of a Dorito? It, It blows me away. Also, I should note before we move on to our next question. I have a tip for you when you, when you make your next gas station run. Your road trip in, you wanted some, some terrible for you gas station food. People think they're limited to only the options in the store when it comes to combining things. Every gas station has one of those marvelous nacho cheese dispensers. You know exactly what I'm talking about. The ones that are cleaned once every 30 years but put out that delicious nacho cheese. And in general, they'll have nacho cheese trays there with some corn chips. You're not a slave to those corn chips. Here's what you do next time you're in there. You go get a bag of flaming Hot Cheetos. Open it up. Dump the bag in the nacho cheese tray. Save the bag. You need that to pay for the things. We don't steal here. Then you go to the nacho cheese machine and you dump the nacho cheese, you squirt the nacho cheese all over your nacho cheese tray of flaming Hot Cheetos. I will say it is imperative you grab a fork or probably a spoon with this. You cannot eat this with your fingers. I've done it before. Then I ended up rubbing my eye, and I don't want to talk about it. It was a long day, but it doesn't matter. That's your next gas station snack. They don't care. You didn't cost them any money. You're paying for the same thing. You need to make it happen. Shogun, I agree with almost all of your takes. I go, I go along with your garbage takes regarding the War of Northern Aggression. I love Southern people when I talk about the Civil War. It's the best. But brisket, this is a bridge too far. Many, many famous Texans were not born here but chose to live here and become Texans, such as Travis, Bowie, Houston, Bob Wills, George H.W. Bush, Chuck Norris, and until a few days ago, Jesse Kelly. <laughs> We still love you and welcome you here, but we cannot in good conscience consider you to be a Texan. And seriously, North Carolina barbecue, of all the other barbecue that you could have picked, that is the least edible. It only takes like two hours to drive across that puny state, if you even call it a state. I know deep in your heart of hearts, you know brisket is awesome. That's why you were turning your microphone off and on. We know it was you. Because Jewish producer Chris simply doesn't exist. Go take a look in the mirror and take a cold shower. You can use my name, Fat Tim. 
He says, P.S., thanks for entertaining me. My girls are still a little too young, but they will be listening to this show when they're older. Hoping you'll still be on the air by then. Happy San Jacinto Day, Texas forever. Regards. Brisket's not that good. I'm sorry. (laughs) Turn the mic back on, Chris. It's not that good. Look, I didn't say it was bad. I I didn't say it was bad. It's not that good. If you would have put a a delicious sausage in front of me, like they they have all over Texas, they have jalapeno cheddar sausages. You put one of those in front of me or brisket, I'm picking the sausage every single day of the week and twice on Sunday. I understand I can have both, Chris. It was an either-or scenario. I don't have to tell anybody what kind of brisket I smoked, okay? I don't have to. I, it was brisket. I realized the five hours saying that on the air has opened me up to some severe criticism. The emails that are tearing me apart for that. I'm not a cook, okay? I make, okay, I make the best cheeseburgers in the history of the world. I'm not even just bragging. I really do. I make no bones about that. I make breakfast for dinner. I'm, I'm, I make eggs. Not that that takes a lot of skill. I make bacon and eggs of all kinds. Beyond that, oh, I, I actually do make a really good steak now. I, I have a big cast iron pan, and I do steak and sear it and everything. I do, I, do, I do a very good steak. I'll say that much. Beyond that, I am white trash, okay? I eat a lot of cheese Whiz and, and Star Crunch and craft mac and cheese and stuff like that. I'm not one of you pit masters from Texas or North Carolina or Kansas City or Mississippi or anywhere else where I grew up and I was raised underneath a smoker. That's not it. What, Chris? Chris said, if I don't master brisket, I can't have a brisket breakfast taco. Why would I ever want a brisket breakfast taco? When chorizo breakfast tacos exist, chorizo is vastly superior to brisket. Sorry, it's true. Where's my Frito Bandito? Frito Bandito would agree with me. Which is superior, Frito Bandito? Tell us. I am the Frito Bandito. I like Fritos corn chips. I love them, I do. I want Fritos corn chips. I'll get them from you. Oh, that is so beautiful, Chris. It's so beautiful. You know you're singing it along. No, we're not going to get in trouble. I mean, we might get in trouble, but how many times have we gotten in trouble on this show for saying offensive things? Like a thousand times. The beauty of it is... My people don't care. They don't care at all. By so, for some absurd reason, the show numbers can sit, continue to rocket up, and so they don't care. I, I can't change who I am. I can't, I can't change who I am now that I'm huge, this huge celebrity, Chris. Very important celebrity. <laughs> all right. Ask Dr. Jesse questions. What about national divorce again? Hang on. You know the Eden Pure Thunderstorm kills and prevents the spreading of mold, fungus, and mildew 
anywhere in your home. To say nothing of what it's done for me personally, I can testify to this, for my allergies. Oh, my goodness, the allergy relief. Look, I have another of you here. The air in the room is fresher, and my allergies are gone. Look, I'm looking at a list of these reviews for the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. You don't just have to take my word for it. This thing will clean your air. It'll get those allergens out of the air. It destroys deadly viruses and bacteria. And the odors. We have odors that come into our home, either from ourselves or our pets. This thing doesn't cover those odors up. Forget about the hot oil you're plugging into the wall. Get an Eden Pure Thunderstorm and eliminate those odors completely. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Use the code word JESSE at checkout. That actually gets you 10 bucks off. This isn't what we agreed to, Chris. We agreed that we were going to come back with the greatest jingle of all time. I am the Frito Bandido. I like Fritos corn chips. I love them, I do. I want Fritos corn chips. I'll get them from you. Oh, I am the Frito Bandito. Give me Fritos corn chips and I'll be your friend. The Frito Bandito, you must not offend. Munch, munch, (laughs) munch, munch. It's so good. Welcome back to the Jesse Kelly Show with me, Sombrero Jesse. That song may get played on repeat all day on Cinco de Mayo. That is the greatest thing ever. (laughs) Again, it's an Ask Dr. Jesse Thursday. We normally do this on Friday, but I'm not going to be here tomorrow. BK will be filling in. I have something I have to go do that I'm not allowed to tell you about, but I'll be able to tell you about on Monday. So I'll tell you all about it on Monday. It's top secret. Nobody knows. Dear Shogun. On the national divorce idea, in your mind, how would it look for business? Would you begin aggressively plussing up the military in our new country with real war fighters? With the left so focused on feminizing the current military, would ours be able to mop them up almost immediately if we wanted? On who is running the country? Do you think Jill Biden has more power than we think? I tend to think she may be one of the real power players behind the scene and may explain the Kamala border thing. Your thoughts, first of all. In our new country, business would be booming in the Republic of Jesse. Absolutely booming because we're going to be free. It's going to be, I mean, there's a reason that places like Hong Kong are absurdly profitable. That's just, I've never been, but everybody I know who's been to Hong Kong says it's insane how free it is. And so it just exploded business wise. Free markets work, they work really well. What, Chris? Am I sure I want to go with Republic of Jesse? We can call it Jesse Land if you'd rather. I don't care. It's going to be something along those lines. What, Chris? You know what? I do like that better. Kingdom of Jesse is probably better. Kingdom of Jesse. I like the good call. Good call, Chris. Anyway, the Kingdom of Jesse, you asked about our military. 
I do not believe in a large standing military. Our founders did not believe it. They, they, all of them. This was universal. They believed it was hostile to liberty. It has proven to be very much so. We will have an absurdly powerful, technologically advanced Navy. We will have an absurdly powerful, or at least technologically advanced Air Force. We will have a small, small land force of some of the most highly trained fighters in the world. Yes, we will always be ready to ramp up at a moment's notice should the rest of our population be needed to fight a big land war. But I do not believe in a large land force. I simply do not. As far as Jill Biden goes, I'm going to say something that's completely opinion. I, 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 sometimes I get inside knowledge because of people and I, I know and I tell you about that. And I tell you when I have inside knowledge of it. Somebody told me this who I know. Nobody has told me this. I want to clarify. I am just from the outside looking in. I think Jill Biden swings a big, big hammer. I think she does. I think she is an absurdly ambitious woman. I, this is going to sound very harsh, but I, I, I view things like dementia and Alzheimer's and things like that. Very, I take that stuff very seriously. If you've ever seen a loved one go through that or a loved one go through that with one of their loved ones, you know, you know, it is gut wrenching. It is terrible to watch somebody, somebody you love lose who they are and not only lose who they are, forget who you are. How much does that hurt? Even though it's not their fault. I've seen how much that wounds people and how mean and nasty they get. You've seen how Joe Biden has these fits of rage. Remember, remember when he was poking reporters in the chest and yelling at people? He called some guy fat. He just, you just have these little fits of rage like that. I really, really do not think highly of Jill Biden for allowing her husband, who is on his last last years. I mean, I'm not, I don't want any harm to come to the man, but clearly going downhill quickly allowing him to do that and run for president and be president in his last years. I, I think that is so grossly out of line. I think a wife uh, should absolutely have stepped in, not not and told him what to do. She probably can't, but stepped in and even gone public with it if possible and said, absolutely not. My husband in his final years is going to have rest and care and we're going to hang out together and we're going to go to Florida and relax and Instead, she let the, the uh, somebody who's already fading, someone who needs rest, she let him take over the most stressful job in the world. I, I think that is disgusting. I despise Michelle Obama, despise her, because I think she's a full-out America-hating communist. I like Michelle Obama better than I like Joe Biden. That's how, that's how much I look down on Joe Biden. I do. I, I, I think that is so out of line, so out of line to let your husband do that. Dr. Soon-to-be Sombrero Jesse. It is soon, Chris. You realize how quickly Cinco de Mayo is coming up on us? The Frito Bandito will be there for us. Dr. Soon-to-be Sombrero Jesse, your take yesterday on the ability to be a spy is perplexing to me. Well, for one, let me recap for those who missed it yesterday. Uh, Whenever we watch uh, spy movies or something like that at the house, 
I always say to the wife, I should have been a spy. Or I'll say to my buddies, I should have been a spy. And they laugh and they say, you're so stupid. You're huge and you're loud. You could never be a spy. I, and I'm 6'8", 230, and I admit my voice does carry a little bit. A little. Shut up, Chris. A little bit. My voice carries a little bit. However, I can be an absolute shadow when I want to be. I can disappear. I can. You know, you've never seen it. Anyway, that was my take on it. He says, you always say you're the last man on earth that can tell a secret to and take it to the grave. Does it bring, does, doesn't being a spy go 100% against this rule? And don't tell me you could be a spy against commies because you couldn't spend an hour around one without some anti-communist statement coming out of your mouth. You can say my name. Your name is Cody. Or his, his name is Cody. Um, I can t- Look, that doesn't count. As, the secret is that I'm a spy. If I'm being a spy against commies, I'll worm my way into their inner circle and I'll gather all their nuclear codes or whatever it is that spies do. And I'll wear the tuxedo, you know. And, of course, all the Chinese communist women will be all over me like they were with James Bond. And I'll reject them, Chris, because we don't do we don't deal with communists here. And I'll have fancy. Chris, don't. No, no, Chris, don't. And I'll have exploding shoes or whatever, fancy gadgets. There was this one James Bond I saw where he had a pen that was a grenade. I've wanted a grenade pen so badly ever since. Oh, that was Goldeneye was that movie. Goldeneye, underrated James Bond movie. He had a grenade pen. Gosh, I want a grenade pen so bad. I'm going to get one. I'm going to get one. Listening to your show today after sending a question earlier, and if possible, and I'm not being too much of an insane narcissist, I'd like to append my earlier question to add, what makes you think Republicans wouldn't turn in their guns? Most of them spent the last year locked in their homes thinking they were a rebel for only wearing one face diaper. Okay, just AR-15s. They look scary and maybe pistols. He's essentially saying Republicans will turn in their guns if told to turn in their guns. I have thoughts on this, as you can imagine. I'll tell you in just a second. Jesse Kelly, on air and online at jessekellyshow.com. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. 
I am the Frito Bandido. Yeah. I like Fritos corn chips. I love them, I do. I want Fritos corn chips. I'll get them from you. Ay, 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 ay. Oh, I am the Frito Bandito. Give me Fritos corn chips and I'll be your friend. The Frito Bandito, you must not offend. It is the Jesse Kelly Show on a rare Ask Dr. Jesse Thursday, 877-377-4373, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. You can find me on social media on Twitter and Instagram at jessekellydc. I'm also on Facebook. I'm also on Locals. That's the place I can't be kicked off. The question was, what makes you think Republicans won't turn in their guns? Well, I do think Republicans will turn in their guns. Just not all of them. I, 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 I understand. I, I, I move forward here understanding what we face with my eyes wide open. Wide open. I understand that a small percentage of us are going to have to carry the burden. That's not unique. That's the history of the world. I mean, you know something they don't teach you about the American Revolution? Do you know what percentage of the country rebelled against the British and created the greatest country the world has ever known? 30. An equal percentage of the country fought with the British, fought on their side. They were called loyalists. And 30% of the country... Didn't care. Didn't care either way. Three out of ten people are the reason you have existed in the United States of America. I am very aware going forward that there aren't going to be many of us left. I will tell you, maybe you didn't. That's fine. I have used the coronavirus stuff as a big revealer, I'll say. I have used the coronavirus stuff as a way to tell exactly who I can count on and who I can't. Oh, I don't get me wrong. I realize every single political pundit you know is now anti-this and anti-lockdown and anti-this and we won't stand for this and this crushes liberty. And I remember exactly where you were on day one of the lockdowns. And you were right there with everybody else. Go home, hide, we're all going to die. Because that was the popular, easy position to take at the time. That's where 99% of the right, at least the pundits and politicians on the right, they were all taking that. I remember the heat I took because the second they even suggested lockdowns, I said, are you out of your freaking mind? It's going to wreck the economy, and it's not even lawful. You can't do that. And, I mean, friends of mine, good friends of mine, politicians and pundits blowing up my phone in private. Hey, man, are you sure about that? I actually had people that I know say, hey, man, you might want to don't say that on the air, dude. Hey, you're going to get uh, – you're crazy, man. Millions of people are going to die. Just shut up. You, hey, you should delete that tweet, man. I said, no, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm going to be right. And you should really think about taking the hard stance now. That way a false narrative doesn't get set and we aren't screwed. Well, they didn't take a hard stance. There weren't enough of us that drew a line in the sand. And now 
We're screwed. You understand we haven't even begun to sniff the financial fallout of the coronavirus stuff yet, right? You do get that? You understand the commercial real estate market that is absolutely going to implode on itself? I'm staring out my window at a bunch of empty skyscrapers that used to be full of offices. I'm working in an empty skyscraper. I've told you this story before, how I used to get to work pre-coronavirus, and they have this big multi-level parking garage here. And I couldn't, there were many days I could not find a place to park. I have to go park up the road. I pull in my parking garage now. There are five cars that are parked in the parking garage. Total. Every day. What do you think happened there? The companies aren't leasing anymore. They're pulling out. Money is owed that can't be paid. There there is a huge domino effect coming. These big cities, you think it's bad now in the big cities with the crime and stuff? Oh, you may have gotten a little temporary reprieve because Joe Biden won the election and promptly started stroking checks to all these big communist cities. Those are one-time checks, Jack. You can't print money. And you dummies with your coronavirus lockdowns slaughtered your small businesses. You slaughtered your revenue stream out of the cities. The financial fallout for coronavirus will be felt for decades because not enough people stood up. So, yes, I'm well aware most people will just turn in their guns because they don't want to get in trouble. You have one fully grown 700-pound adult male grizzly bear and one 1,300-pound adult male moose in a 50-foot diameter coliseum. It's a fight to the death, and both are as angry as naturally possible. Two beasts enter, one beast leaves. Who wins? The grizzly bear is going to win. It just has more weapons. And I've told the story before. I, I wish I could find it. I'd put it on the show Twitter. There, I've seen a video of a grizzly bear dragging along a fully grown moose that it had killed. And it wasn't that it was dragging it. It was dragging it like you or I would carry along a piece of paper. It was not difficult for it at all. They're made of muscle. We're not quite done yet. Hang on. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.
It is the Jesse Kelly Show. It's been an awesome day. If you missed any part of the show, you can catch a podcast of the show on iHeart, on Google, on Spotify, and iTunes. The opening of our show today, a sweet ancient Roman battle between the Romans and the Parthians and swords and bows. It was awesome. Crassus meets his end. You might want to catch that one. I will not be here tomorrow. The BK of World News with BK will be here tomorrow. I will be back Monday. Yes, I have to go do something that I'm not allowed to tell you about. That's why I won't be here. I will tell you on Monday. Don't worry. I'm not going to sneak in here on Monday and act like it didn't happen. I'll tell you exactly where I was and what I was doing. Enjoy your weekend. Keep your chin up. That's all. transfer they are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare these stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them they're shocking these timeshare companies not all of them but so many they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up you can't give them up or they'll they'll do things like they charge you thousands of dollars one girl she got past her timeshare when her mother passed away She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right. It's unjust. And Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out or know someone who is, call 888-845-3773. That's 888-84-JESSE. Or go to timesharejesse.com, Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out. Born on America's darkest day of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been helping America's heroes ever since. When a first responder or military service member doesn't come home and young children are left behind, Tunnel to Towers pays the mortgage on the family home to lift the financial burden. For catastrophically injured veterans and first responders, Tunnel to Towers builds mortgage-free smart homes, enabling severely injured heroes to move around their homes more independently. Through the foundation's homeless veteran program, Tunnel to Towers is providing housing and services to homeless veterans because all veterans who served honorably, whether in peacetime or war, deserve our nation's gratitude. People who put their lives on the line for our country and our communities need your help now more than ever. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good and never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices of this country's heroes. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T. 
Hollywood is under siege from external forces. The same Hollywood that sold the American dream is now making nightmares a reality. Many major films make choices to appease the Chinese Communist Party to be distributed in China. Join Tiffany Meyer, an investigative reporter in Hollywood Takeover. Brought to you by the Epic Times, where she reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash jesse. The 2024 election is upon us, and now is the time to fight back against the war on masculinity in American society today. Thankfully, the patriots at Chalk, C-H-O-Q, are here to help real American men maximize their masculinity by boosting testosterone levels up to 20% over 90 days. I've been taking a male vitality stack from Chalk for like three years now. It is incredible. They are here to help make American men strong again. Testosterone testosterone fueled again maximize your masculinity today at choq.com use the code jesse for a massive discount on any chalk subscription for life choq.com code jesse limited time offer subscription cancelable at any time Jesse Kelly here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, instinct may drive you to reach for lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of deadly force. Enter the Berna Less Lethal Pistol Launcher, equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo to incapacitate an attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states, requires no background checks, and can be shipped right to your door. Visit Berna.com slash Jesse now for an exclusive 10% discount.